It's Eatin' Time with Felton Johnson for the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. Every single Friday, 11 o'clock hour, the big guy is in. Former Saskatchewan Rough Rider O-lineman, grill master extraordinaire, and a good friend of this radio program, the Belton Johnson. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. How about yourself there, John? I am good, but I'm not juggling um, kids football, kids hockey. Is there a thing you're not doing these days in the family, Johnson? <laughs> Man, I'm trying to, but I, I can't. Oh, it's amazing. I watch you on social media, and I'll tell you, I get tired. It's exciting, but I get tired just trying to keep up with uh, all the activities you're into. Oh, no. we got. I got to keep the kids busy. And you know what? It's, uh, I know you and I, we've talked in the past there. You, you know, you stated how you used to do that, you know, with your kids and everything, how you yeah. missed it. And you enjoy the grandkids and everything, and so I'm like you told me, I'm I'm enjoying every moment of it, John. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> and it's important. Uh, before we get to what you've got on the uh, plate for this weekend, uh, uh, sadly, and I think many of us are in this boat. Since a certain team didn't make it to the playoffs, <laughs> I, I'm I'm somewhat less invested. So this weekend. It'll be the Ticats and the Alouettes on who will face uh, the Argonauts in the East. Here it'll be the Stamps and the Lions on who will face the Blue Bombers. You're kind of going a little bit off what many are thinking for conventional wisdom. I am, John. And, you know, with <laughs> with the, uh, I guess with the Ticats and everything, first of all, I like that the games are going to be on Saturday. I really yeah. do. Uh, you know, one is, you know, for those fans that are traveling and everything, I feel like they can, you know, actually enjoy the weekend and everything and not having to rush back home or wherever, you know, they may be from and everything, right? And for me, I'm okay with it because it's football. And I got college football. I got CFL. I got I'm, – I'm covered all bases. Yeah, and they're saving the NFL for Sunday, so they're keeping that clear. That, that, that'd be the dessert, John. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but I do – with when it comes to the Ticats and the Alouettes, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like the Ticats can maybe sneak out a win there. Uh, and I know the Ticats, they've been beaten by the Alouettes all during the regular season there and everything. But, you know – Something in the air may be different. The only thing I said the Tarcats need to do is figure out how to stop that dribble kick, and they may be okay, John. <laughs> so, okay, I, I'm kind of old schooly here. I, to me, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm yeah. still seeing Winnipeg and Toronto in the cup. Is that? Are you suggesting it could be different teams? No, I, I'm with you in that aspect. I, the Bombers are strong. The Argos are strong, and I, you know, they both host games in their homes there. So especially when you look at the Bombers, uh, you know, whether it's Calgary or BC lines, you know, if they were to go to Winnipeg, I don't know if anybody could play out in that cold, John. And I remember vividly uh, when I played, uh, you know, when uh, the Bombers were, I believe, in the Eastern uh, Division there. Because when I was with the Ticats, we had to go to to Winnipeg and play for the uh, the semifinals there, and it was minus twenty some degrees, John. And Belton is from Mississippi, where it doesn't get minus twenty three at all. <laughs> and 
I had a hard time playing in that game, and I recently just got feeling back in my fingers a couple of years ago. <laughs> That's how cold it was. Uh, Holy cow. So, okay, so on the west side for the uh, the semi, Stamps, Lions, who's going to go on to, to play Winnipeg? And, you know, I noticed BC had gotten beat really bad by the Stamps that, with that last game of the season. I believe the score was, what, 41-16 to 16 there in BC, the Stamps. They ran rip shot all through BC and everything, right? But, uh, you know, I just think BC, I think they're the stronger and I think they're the better team top to bottom. And I think Vernon Adams, you know, he's going to play like an MVP or, you know, I think he could have five touchdowns this game and probably three, 400 yards through the air. Probably have a couple on the ground, about 50 some yards rushing. I'm picking the BC Lions to win that one, 37-16. Wow. All right. So we will watch with interest tomorrow. Belton Johnson here. It's eating time every single Friday. Oxtail stew. Oh, gosh. The weather is getting just the right way for this. Oh, John, the weather is right for this. And the the thing with this oxtail stew is this is something my mom, uh, you know, comfort food that she made when my brother and I were growing up there. And I'm going to tell you, we would fight over the last spoon <laughs> droppings of that. So uh, with this oxtail stew, the first thing you want to do is season the oxtail. And I like we like to season the oxtail with brown sugar, salt, black pepper, garlic powder, allspice, soy sauce, and Worcestershire sauce. And, John, we want to use our hands and mix every nook and cranny of that oxtail right on, John. So we're going to get those oxtails seasoned up and everything. Once we got them seasoned, John, what we want to do is uh, get on the stove top there, get the heat up to about medium-high heat there. And uh, what we want to do is add in some vegetable oil to that skillet, get it hot and everything. And what we want to do is add in the oxtail pieces that we seasoned and everything. And what we want to do is brown each side of those oxtails for about a few, uh, two minutes to three minutes or so. Once the oxtails have, uh, you know, gotten brown there and everything, what we want to do is put them in the crock pot, John. Are you still there with me, John? I am. I As a result of you, our crock pot gets used a lot, but that's just a side point. There you go, John. And so we want to place those brown pieces of uh, oxtail into the crock pot. And, John, let's not forget what we had in the skillet there. There's a lot of bits and brown pieces on the bottom of that skillet, John. That's what I call flavor, John. And we want to deglaze that skillet by adding a couple tablespoons of beef broth to that skillet. And we're going to uh, get those bits up and everything. But we're also going to add in some onions and carrots to the skillet. And we're going to stir it, uh, stir it all up until the onions get nice and soft and John. After that, John, what we're going to do is add those ingredients, the onions, the carrots, and those bits and pieces that we deglaze. We're going to add it to the crock pot with the uh, oxtail that's in there. We're also going to add to the crock pot some garlic, some green onion. We're going to add in more beef broth, some ketchup, some thyme, and a bit of cornstarch. You know, and we use the cornstarch to thicken things up a bit, John. You still there, John? I am, man. All right. We're going to cook the oxtail stew. We're going to cook it on low for about 8 to 10 hours. 
or until the ox tail is tender, John. And about 30 minutes before serving, what I'd like to do is add a can of drained butter beans or, um, you know, if, if you don't have butter beans or anything, a can of your favorite beans, add it to the crock pot. And once we got that added, John, what we want to do after that, we're going to grab that ladle, your favorite soup bowl. We're going to dish up some of that oxtail. And, and John, we got some cornbread we're going to be serving with oh, this as nice. well. And guess what, John? What, Belton? It's eating time. All right. Okay, I'm glad you threw the cornbread in. That puts a particular <laughs> twist on this thing. Oh, th- with the cornbread, what it's going to do, John, it's going to soak up all of that juices and everything, you know, with the, the carrots, the onions, the garlic, everything that's in there uh, with the stew. And it's just going to fill you up, John. And that's why I call it a it's a comfort food because it's going to stick to your bones, John, in this <laughs> cold weather we got coming up here at some point. Oxtail Stew, Belton Johnson's menu on the recipe this week on It's Eating Time. Uh, by the way, if you don't follow Belton on social media, I don't know why you don't, but you follow us, he will post the recipe and then we'll repost it, we'll like it, we'll retweet it, so you can figure out and add to your collection this latest Oxtail Stew. Always great having you by, my friend. Have a nice, warm weekend, and uh, we'll see you soon. Sounds good. Have a good one there, John. It's Eaton Time with Belton Johnson for the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. I'm John Gormley. So what does a degree in uh, biochemistry and a lifetime commitment to wine mean? Well, your Canadian winemaker of the year a few years ago... Uh, the master winemaker at Vanessa Vineyard, a guy who has spent many, many years in the wine space, Howard Soon of BC, and he's going to be doing a really neat fundraiser next week with the Rotary Club of Saskatoon. Uh, next Thursday, top of the Inn Sheraton Cavalier, five-course wine pairing dinner. It looks incredible, but what I heard... A guy who is a master winemaker was around. I'd love to meet Howard soon, and we find him in Saskatoon <laughs> today. Hey, how are things? Good morning, John. Great, great. Beautiful day here in Saskatoon, as usual. So, it's okay, so did you know all along, even as a kid, that wine was going to be in your future? No, but as a kid, I always loved science, you know, and I was one of those science geeks. I mean, if the science teacher said, well, what's the answer to this one? They'd say, oh, ask Howard. He'll know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not trying to be a smart aleck either, because I never, I never liked to be a standout, you know. I was always hidden in the background. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. So, so in the wine space, I mean, we've watched mm-hmm. the evolution, you know, and we all, as we age, like, is it true that as we yes. age, we start to get more into wine? You know, I think so, John, because I think it's it's more of a beverage of moderation. Like, it's not about drinking alcohol for the thing, for the effect. It's more about wine is part part of our civilization. It's been with us for almost as long as beer, and and it's ironic because you know I I used to live here in Saskatoon. I don't know if you knew that, but early seventies I worked for Labatt, so I was learning how to make become a brewmaster here in Saskatoon. And I just you know my friend Donna 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 drove me past the the gardens just uh, yesterday, and I said, oh yeah. 
it's the same area, but not the same, right? Yeah. It's changed a lot. But I, I still see. remember all the guys I worked with because, you know, the good people of Saskatoon, they were great guys. Wally Diachuk, Blue House Guy, uh, Graham Copeland, a lot of people that, that taught me about how to be a good person in the brewery, right? Not just not just about life, about life, you know, about that more than yeah. anything else. And I, I took, took that board to be winemaking after that. Isn't that so cool? Because those those old that whole Labatt's facility, gosh, that was a gem in the Labatt Gardens. Actually, our yeah. radio station is just up the road from there, so it's. Uh... I know. I was amazed <laughs> at that. The changes, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, but lovely, lovely time. When you do mm-hmm. events like this one next week, a yes. winemakers' dinner, how do you pair wines in a way that you know makes them accessible and something that we can right. understand? Right. Well, I, I try to do that in my little chats that I have with everyone before every course. We we serve the wine, and then the food comes right behind it. And during the meantime, while we're, while we're waiting for waiting for the chef to get the, the food plated, I'll explain about the wine and the winemaking process. I kind of like to bring you into the, wine, the vineyard itself, because that's really where the great wine is made, is in the vineyard, right? So our vineyard is spectacular. If you might have seen a picture of it, or you will see a picture of the vineyard itself, but it's it's a spectacular site. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's like in desert, right? And on a cliff side. So it's, it's kind of neat, about 500 meters above sea level. Um, kind of special, 75 acres. Um, yeah, very good. As I wanted to bring the presence of the vineyard to people. And it's kind of like my little mission in life, you might say, John. It's like explaining more about wine and how, how great it is to have this. I mean, I started with beer too, you might say, right? Labatt's. And then I went to Kelowna Wines in Kelowna. So it's kind of like, Yes, I think as we get older, we, we like the, the, the sense of, of wine. And, you know, what is it? You know, you're going to open a bottle of wine sometime with, with a friend or someone, and, and you're going to share that bottle of wine with a person. So that's different, too, than, than say, beer, where we often have our own beer, right? That's, that's, that's one of the, my, 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 my points, is that wine is something you share with a person. And you have a conversation, and it's all, it's all good, healthy ways of living life, I think. Howard Soon, master winemaker. Uh, he's with Vanessa Vineyard in BC, and I an interesting past. He was a beer maker in Saskatoon as a young guy in the uh, back in the seventies. So on yeah. on these sorts of things, I mean, the old yes, white was for fish and chicken, red was for other meat. A lot of that's mm. changed now, hasn't it? That's right. In fact, most of our vineyard is, is makes red wine. But uh, you know, as, as people get more sophisticated, they like wines that have more flavor to it, and that's what red wine offers. Um, so that's really what's behind that is the flavor of the wine and the flavor of the food should be similar, about the same. It's a good company, right? You want to have people to get along. So it's like <laughs> get along together. <laughs> so, so our palates, how are our palates yes. designed to make that kind of that complementarity? Well, it's, it's an interesting question what you say. Um, I would say, you know, it comes down to the wine has different components, as you know. So with whites, it's more about fruitiness and acidity that you have, say, when you bite into a fresh piece of fresh fruit, you know. Uh, whereas with reds, it's more of what we call tertiary flavors. So more uh, developed flavors that come with the wines, right? We just uh, we just won a whole bunch of awards at the, at the BC Wine Awards, and uh, three of those five wines that we're tasting on Thursday will be from that those awards, gold medals. So I'm very happy to be bringing that along to you, and I can explain to you more about, you know, why is red wine a tasty thing to have with the foods that we're having. So that's what it's about. So, so Experiential, do, right? So do people's tastes, because, you know, when wine really took off back, what, 25, 30 years ago, you know, with the New World wines, the big California right. Shirazes, do tastes yeah. moderate a little bit, or do some people still like that big, bold taste? 
You know, I think people do moderate. And I, and I think as they get more sophisticated in their wine drinking, they're saying, well, what am I looking for here? Oh, there's a taste of the area where it came from what we call terroir, right? It's a French word, which turns some people off, but that really is the thing that we believe is happening. You're tasting a wine, say, as you said, Shiraz from this area, or Shiraz from Vanessa Vineyard. It has a different taste because of where it's grown, as well as the knowledge of the person who grew those grapes and the person who made that wine. It's all about an adventure in geography, John. And I think that's what makes wine so fascinating and, and uh, around the world. I mean, people, we all like to travel now. You probably have taken trips uh, maybe perhaps to Europe or other wine countries. Um, it, it was mentioned on the radio, you know, Biden's going to uh, Uruguay. I remember going to Uruguay once and how the people were different there. It's really great to have that kind of experience, to, to travel around and say, hey, what's your wine like here? It's like part of culture, right? Wine, food, music, all part of the culture of a country. How and that makes that makes you more likable. <laughs> <laughs> this is cool stuff. Howard is a master well, winemaker, Vanessa Vineyard. Uh, he's going to be hosting next week in Saskatoon, Thursday night, top of the end. Uh, it is for the Miwasan Rotary Club and a big fundraiser. You can find out more, miwasanrotary.org, or go on to Eventbrite and do Rotary Club Saskatoon Miwasan, and the winemaker dinner will pop up. Uh, Howard, welcome back to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Great having you here, and I hope all goes well next week. Thank you very much, John. Great talking to you. Likewise, Howard Soon in Saskatoon, master winemaker at Vanessa Vineyard in BC. Um, you know, it's, I'm always intrigued by people who are as committed, and of course, you spend your whole career in the wine area. And I think like a lot of people, we know what we like. We might not know why we like it or even how we like it. But uh, as tastes change, you learn so much. So that's uh, miwasanrotary.org. And uh, they'll have more coordinates for that. Uh, it's a big fundraiser dinner they do uh, for the uh, restorative justice program the Miwasan, uh, the Rotary Clubs are involved in. And they're helping out Crocus Co-op, which is a great charity, too. So I wanted you to meet Howard, and he'll be here in Saskatoon next week. This is 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. to have you here. Thanks for joining us wherever you have found us on this first Friday in the brand new month of November. And other than the past couple of weeks of October, maybe the last seven, ten days, we really had a nice long fall. And now uh, Halloween the other night went very well. Weekend temperatures all hovering around zero, which is not a bad thing either. Uh, Joe Rolko no, he doesn't own this broadcasting company. That's Ralco Communications. Joe Ralco, a longtime Canadian press reporter, author, wrote a great book on uh, what was called The Devil's Gap, Canada's First Suicide Bomber and the Untold Story. And for many people who remember the 1970s incident in Kenora, Ontario, and Joe Ralco, as a young journalist, uh, was covering it. He's written the book about it. And this uh, coming next few days, W5 is doing a 50th anniversary piece on the Kenora bomber. And it got Joe Rolko thinking, uh, even pulling out some of his audio archives of the past. 
He's going to be here top of the hour at 12 noon. Well, Fridays are where we talk about whatever is on your mind and many, many stories today. Uh, So Saskatchewan this week, uh, all in one sitting, pushed through uh, a brand new act. The NDP opposition agreed with it, so it quickly moved through all three readings. Essentially what it does is give any employee the right to wear a poppy in your workplace. Uh, The government in citing the need for this has said there have been a few complaints in the past. One... And this was weird. In an Estevan courthouse, an employee is asked to remove their poppy because it was not showing neutrality. And of course, the courts are the ultimate places where one ought to observe a neutral approach to things like justice. Wearing a poppy suggests non-neutrality? What, you'd be okay if you had a little SS? Stick. I mean, come on. So I don't know which. Remember we talk about the idiot outbreak? Many organizations run by terrific people, but every so often, whether it's a school, whether it's an office, there's an idiot outbreak. And that clearly would have been such a thing in the Estevan courthouse. So... And now the one that I hear the most, um, and the province did say uh, it's also happened in a couple of government offices. The big one is fast food joints where an employee will say, you know, I'm going to wear a poppy or some kind of place that requires a uniform. And then they're told that's not an approved part of your garb or your uniform. Now, of course, you can't wear a poppy where you could poke yourself or poke somebody else. I mean, again, common sense. But if an employer tries to tell you, You don't have a right to wear a poppy in your workplace. Well, under this law, you do. Ontario and Manitoba have similar legislative uh, initiatives on the books. So Saskatchewan joins that. What a weird story from the Regina General. Uh, This, I think, sideswiped a lot of us. Often when there are Saskatchewan stories, they percolate for a while. You know, we'll hear about them. Our reporters will start investigating. Uh, they might show up in different forms of media. This one out this morning on CTV National. Avis Favreau, who's been the health reporter for what, how long? We've chatted with Avis over the years many times, probably 30-some years. I mean, she's an accomplished national journalist, but her beat is health. So it's the story of 10 doctors at the Regina General, all foreign trained internal medicine specialists who have brought a Saskatchewan human rights complaint. And apparently the commission complaint came about a month ago, 5th of October. Every one of these 10 doctors is a newcomer into the Saskatchewan health system. Now, newcomer relative terms, some in 2020, 2019, others more recently, every single one of them trained either in East Asia or Africa, every single one of them a person of color. So the 10 physicians are alleging that the hospital's director of medicine, the health region loves to call them leads. So this is the lead in the Department of Medicine, Dr. Bonnie Richardson. And one of her colleagues, who is the lead in internal medicine, uh, Dr. Linus Kameliaskis. So 
Doctors Kamelioskis and Richardson apparently have taken to scheduling the physicians' shifts themselves. There used to be a person who did this, and the person was replaced. So these two leads started doing the scheduling. What's alleged by the doctors is that the 17 members of the internal medicine department used to have these generally divided equally. So you're going to work this shift, that shift. Apparently the bonuses, who knows, is the teaching shifts where medical postgrads get on the job training. That apparently is quite desirable because that and certain other shifts you get premium pay. So those are the ones you want. You make more money. Well, what they allege is that the shifts after the two doctors, Richardson and Kameliaskis, start assigning it themselves, the most sought-after shifts went almost entirely to white physicians. And any of the physicians of color didn't get the same balance they used to get and didn't get the same weight they used to get on shifts. Uh, One of the doctors from Nigeria who has been there since 2020 at the uh, general, uh, Dr. Ugandari, said it was quite brazen. We, people of color and the people not in the favored group, went to zero. And all of these doctors commented on what's been a great experience coming to Canada, coming and living, working in Regina. Great experience. One of them says it has now become the most toxic place I've worked in. That's weird. Um, one of the doctors from South Africa, Dr. Sirwada, says, my patients are amazing, my colleagues are amazing, and she's loved the experience of working at the general. She's a physician trained in South Africa. But she said about six months ago, it changed so fast. So, look, I've been to enough rodeos. I often take these things cautiously. But when it's 10 physicians... Often allegations based on a particular issue like race, you got to be careful with this. You know, it'll be one or two people. Ten people? Um, that should get your spidey senses going. So the response from the health authority and or the health region and the Regina General is no response. Uh, the response from the doctors is, well, the health region responded for me by giving no response. So this is a live matter before the Human Rights Commission, and uh, a couple of the uh, doctors, in fact, they're actually represented by a health law specialist in Oakville, uh, Brooke Schechter. Uh, The lawyer, Brooke Schechter, says there was, first of all, a complaint, and there was an investigation done by the hospital leadership that was being alleged to have discriminated. So, you know, it's that old idea, rather than bringing in somebody, and of course, don't get me started on the health authority and the inherent complete train wreck bureaucracy uh, that signifies health, even bringing in somebody from the health region, arm's length, or bringing in legal counsel or an HR person from somewhere else. But apparently there was an investigation done in-house that said, um, no, nothing to see here. So the doctors, 10 of them, have brought this matter forward to the Saskatchewan Human Rights Commission. Gosh. And here's the other interesting one. There's a part of me that says, look, 
this is inside baseball, right? It's a club. It's an exclusive club. You know, so-and-so didn't get what they used to get. Apparently, it has very practical, causal effects on patients. Because what will happen is some doctors, the white ones, get more shifts than they want. Certain other doctors are left out of shift rotations, and hence, fewer doctors are on call for service. Now, that's when I'm not uh, suggesting that, you know, we blow off the complaint about racism. That's pretty serious. But that's what elevates this from an internecine dispute in among groups of 17 specialists. This is when it gets real, because if patients have less access to doctors on call and the health system doesn't work as effectively, that affects all of us. So... Keep an eye on this, and uh, good on uh, Avis Favreau and the uh, CTV, of course, comes out of Toronto. They're lawyers in Toronto, so this is being driven there. But we're going to next week uh, reach out. One of the doctors we're making contact with, and I would love to get them on the show to talk about it because that is just so, it's hard to process. In this in, in this day and age, A, and B, in healthcare, in healthcare, you've got a huge representation of physicians and specialists and professionals from around the world work in healthcare. So the allegation that you'd get two white doctors in Regina who start giving only to white doctors the preferred shifts, it's uh, hard to get your head around. Hey, everything goes here on a Friday, 877-332-8255. Can I ask a question to the world? Why do you have to bring Terry Fox into everything? There is a famous Terry Fox statue in Ottawa. Every year on the interminable number of days for gay, lesbian, trans, what what do we say, 36 different days? There's also a week and then there's a month, right? Somebody every year in Pride Month has Terry Fox festooned in Pride flags, Pride stuff, because Terry Fox would be all about Pride. Then there was the vile desecration of Terry Fox when the Freedom Convoy stuck a sign on him that said Mandate Freedom and put a hat on him. What a desecration of a national memorial. Now it was a celebration like the Pride celebration when Hamas supporters wrapped the Arabic scarf around Terry Fox, had Palestine flags, so that's good. Trucker's Convoy's bad. Pride's good. Can we just leave Terry out of this? All of you? There was a reason Terry Fox was celebrated. He had more courage than the whole gang of all of your causes. He united Canadians and he meant something. And he's not to be tokenized or totemized for your flavor of the month cause. And it doesn't matter if you're the Freedom Convoy doesn't matter if you're the pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas protesters. Leave Terry alone. I'm Gormley, and this is 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm John Gormley. Uh, when's the 5th of November? Uh, Sunday? Yeah. 
2 a.m., everybody falls back on the clocks, right? Spring ahead, fall back, except us. And over the years of this show, careful listeners will know, that's one thing I just weaseled away from. I used to religiously, yeah, thanks. (laughs) Davis applauds. Okay, I deserve that. I used to say, come on, why don't we change time? I mean, pick a time zone. It used to frustrate me to no end because airline schedules change, TV schedules, satellite feeds, everything else. The whole world changes, but we don't. But over time, in part because I was smacked down by politicians of every single political stripe, many of you wouldn't leave me alone. I still think at a certain level I could defend myself, but I just backed off. So the whole world, well, not the whole world, but around these parts, other than us and Phoenix, Arizona, um, those are two big jurisdictions that never change. There's little slices of... Pennsylvania, there's other areas, but in the main, Saskatchewan remains in, and I mean this genuinely, splendid isolation. And there's a lot of talk about becoming like us everywhere. Like, the purposes for originally changing time have kind of passed us by. So why do you do it? I'm not sure we need to anymore. But that, in the few, in the small list of things I've changed my mind on, I was pushed by you into doing that. Poll out today, and uh, this is one from Nanos, and the Nanos political polls I am often not too fussy on. Uh, They do polling for CTV. Uh, They polled a 1,000 Canadians, and again, that's not a huge sample, and it was earlier this week, between the 29th and 31st of October, and the survey was what's going on in the Middle East, in particular, the Israel-Hamas declaration of war and the hostilities. 55% of Canadians, and I think this is probably a pretty valid number, I think I speak for all of us, about half of us, would be concerned about the conflict spreading to other countries in the Middle East. That was concerned, somewhat concerned, was 32%. So that gets you a total of 87% of people expressing some kind of concern. And particularly when you watch what Hezbollah has been doing from Lebanon. Hezbollah, like Hamas, absolutely genocidal, bloodthirsty covenants that swear not just for the destruction of the state of Israel, but the Jews in Israel and elsewhere. I mean, this is completely beyond the pale. And the fact that anybody could try to dress Hamas or Hezbollah up as freedom fighters is beyond me. It's genocidal anti-Semitism what it is. So if you've got Hezbollah starting, and there's been some missiles back and forth uh, from Lebanon, if certain state actors get involved, this thing could uh, clearly expand. And that doesn't work for humanity, but Israel has a right to exist, has a right to defend itself. And uh, if it does and must, it will be what it will be. Coming up, the latest from the News Center, and then a walk back in time to Canada's first suicide bomber, Kenora, Ontario. Do you remember that story back in the 70s? You'll hear about it next on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.